Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 289. Aaron Shelley, how are you, Aaron? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Dale? Good, mate. Really good. Now, we, we had a great chat before. We're both dads, and uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to uh, obviously have you on here because you're a fathering, parenting expert by all means, and you work with a lot of people, um, and that term doesn't get just thrown around lightly. That's probably very accurate what we're going to talk about. Before we get into that, what's the biggest win you've had in the last seven days, Aaron? Oh, last seven days. I, I had a, just yesterday, I did kind of my quarterly planning with my kids and my family, so we're all trying to get aligned and stay together. I'm really trying to work on the family cohesion. So I would say that's been the biggest win. Nice. I love that. That's fantastic. And I think you can already tell that uh, Yeah, today we are talking about, you know, building successful families. How do we, how do we do that? Now, before we get into that, um, I find your little backstory when I was doing a little bit of research on Aaron quite interesting where you talk about uh, growing up, you know, you had 10 mates, you all had similar families, similar, like similar trajectory in life, but it's completely different where you've all ended up. Like there's some of you are married, some are divorced, one's in jail. Um, do you want to talk about that? And, and how does, how does that happen? Because I know people are probably listening and I just think of my friends as well. Like we all did the same sort of things, but now we're in different areas and things have happened. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that and the, how that sort of works? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, that's definitely the story that I start out with. And it actually was one of the reasons that I wanted to write the book is because I, I kind of got numb to the divorce stuff. Like I had my best friend, his parents got divorced when I was 18, 19. I'd spend so much time at his house. And then another friend that we spend like almost every Sunday playing board games at their house. And then they got divorced later. So I just was in this path of like, okay, people get divorced. That's kind of the new normal. And then I had this, my mom sent me this article of this friend who ended up going to prison for life for rape and attempted murder. And I was like, wait a sec, like, <laughs> we were wow. all, like you said, we were all in the same places. And then I was also a father, like I said, with four kids. So then I have this, I mean, my undergraduate was mechanical engineering. So I have this engineering mind, like what happened? What were the levers? What changed? And I'd read um, a number of books on, like Robert Putnam has a book uh, on families. And it was just like, this is all the same. We were all in the same spot. There isn't like, oh, these were poor. These were rich. It was like, we were all there. So then I kind of was delving into this and like, I have to understand the mechanics of this so that I can protect my family from this. So that's kind of where I see it. Like a lot of the relationship issues, a lot of the, the longer term outcomes are really outgrowths from failures in the family. And I was, I mean, I was watching a guy on YouTube just recently and he was saying, you know, in LA, they have this homeless crisis. And he says, yeah, they're all homeless. But if you fix the homeless, they have a drug problem. And if you fix the drug problem, they have trauma, mental health issues. And what is that mental health from? It's from their families. And so it's like we're having this big issue around families and knowing how to do them. And that's just cascading into our society. And I find that very disturbing. Mm. Well, it really is. And I think one of the biggest problems is that um, you don't have to and this might come across wrong and I'm very sorry if I offend anyone here, but to drive a car, you need to get a license to do all these different things. Um, to have a family, you can just go and do that. And like, you don't actually have to prove anything or that you're, you know, capable of doing that. Um, and, and so we talk about 
all these issues or homeless people and things like that. But that's a really sort of a band-aid approach. Like it's it's really it's not it's proactive. Like we're not really stopping it because damage is done and it's it's sort of like a life cycle, really, Aaron, isn't it? Yeah. And well, and that's why in, in the book I talk about looking at the business world. And that's where you see like a lot of these people who are born into a single parent where they see the divorce happen because the their parents couldn't make it work. It's just like in a business where you have a single founder and you're like, well, how are you going to learn to work with partners? How are you going to learn to compromise and have disagreements and fight? If you kind of are raised in that single parent environment, you don't know how those are supposed to look. Is it okay to have a fight with your spouse? Or you know, like, how do these go? And, and conflict. So I think there's so many lessons that are learned when you're in the home that actually translate over into the business world as well. And so it makes it just hard to interact with other people. And with, especially if you decide to get married, it, it's just an extra challenge. I'm not saying the kids it's, it's their fault because it's, it's not their fault that they were in that environment, but it's just, they didn't, they need a user's manual and they need to kind of go through some stuff because they didn't see how that needs to get done. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's the hardest thing that um, they're just going by. And like I said, it's, generational like if nothing changes then the outcome doesn't change at all so i love that analogy of using businesses because a business it's sort of like a school as well if if the principal or the person in top cannot communicate or do what they need to do well it's exactly the same as a family so building your family's business model what can you explain a little bit more about this because this is one of the main things i'm really intrigued about yeah. So if you look at a business, they have a, what I, everyone knows they have a business model or people in the business world and a business model is what is making the choices on how to spend the resources they have. Right. So every business has at least one person working there. So that's what I'd call human resources. And then they also have some connections, you know, who are you connected to? What type of brand do you have? Those are social resources. And then there's financial resources like money, your property tools, those type of things. But the business model is how should we use those? You know, should we go buy a property like Walmart would? Or should we go buy servers like a Google would? Should we hire engineers like Google? Like there's this thing in the business model that's determining how to do it. And that's determined by, well, what is your strategy? You know, Google's strategy is to organize the world's data. It's not to, you know, sell stuff to you <laughs> necessarily. So that's their mission. And then they have a structure. Well, their structure is going to be fairly loose because they want to get really high level people who don't need a lot of management. And then their culture is a lot about freedom and responsibility and trying new things and failure is way to go because they're really into technology and they've produced so many products that failed, but they've produced some really good ones too. So those three components, strategy, structure, and culture are the core of any business model, right? But the thing that's interesting is Walmart's business model Google's business model, Apple's business model, they're all different. So it's not that there's one right one. It's just, is your strategy, structure, and culture aligned? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It really does. And, and I suppose that's really interesting because everything we've spoken about at the start, not one family dynamic or situation is the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if you take that concept and then you're like, well, there's no right way to do a family necessarily. There's some that have better outcomes. There's some that have different challenges. Right. But even, you know, like there's, there's can be women whose military husband gets killed. Well, that's now a new challenge that other families have, can't deal with and recognize. So then it's like, well, do I go get remarried? Do I get a blended family? Those will be some structural changes. And then it's like, well, that's some new challenges because now I have children that aren't mine that I'm trying to parent. 
And we know that that's different. And then you say like, what's our culture? Like if you are a, uh, like if you're a doctor, then to get to become a doctor, you have to have this whole sense of delayed gratification. That has to be in your cultural values, at least in America, because most people are ending up with three hundred dollars to $400,000 in debt wow. and 10 years of their life to do that. And so if you don't have this value of delayed gratification, you're not going to make it all the way through the medical school system, right? You, oh, I spent all this money. Now I don't have money to spend for my medical school. Now I'm out. Now I'm just screwed. So that's where I say like your strategy, which would be become a doctor, you know, that career needs to be aligned with your culture, which is delayed gratification, hard work, learn new things, those type of things. And then your structure, you know, if you're like, well, I want to get, go be a doctor, but I want to get married and have 10 kids. Okay. That's going to be rough because you're not going to have money for a long time. So that's where I say there needs to be an alignment in the family, right? And then to contrast that, you know, if you're like, I'm going to go be a blue collar worker, I'm going to go work on a, on an excavator, you know, some big equipment, you usually get paid pretty well starting out, right? You don't have to delay your gratification as much because you're getting paid early, but you need to look long-term because most people can't use that career, you know, for more than 20 or 30 years because their body kind of breaks down. It's hard on the body to do blue collar work. So it's really just looking at your family in these longer term perspectives and understanding the play between the culture, the structure, and the uh, strategy. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It does. And I suppose with that, it, it's it might be confusing because people may not have thought of this. Um, but why, with everything you've just said there, why are some, and it's probably exactly, you can answer like a business, some businesses are more successful than others. Why are some families more successful than others? What's, what's the magic sauce or what's, you know, what's that one sort of thing that people can maybe ingest into their family today, Aaron, to, you know, make an improvement or start on that right track? Well, the key, I would say the key part of the business model is the strategy. And the key part of the strategy is the purpose or mission, right? What is your family trying to accomplish? Because in a business, like the, the example I usually talk about is Elon Musk. He wants to go to Mars, right? So every time he's making a decision, he goes, is that going to get us to Mars sooner? Or is it going to take us longer? And if it's going to take us longer, don't do it. If it's going to get us sooner, then I'm going to do that, right? So he has a shared purpose. So when you and your spouse are working together, you're like, what is our purpose? A lot of conflict and disagreement is when you're looking at these things and you don't really know, well, what are we trying to accomplish? Are we trying to build a real estate empire? Then we should be buying real estate. Are we trying to have lots of kids? Well, then we should be focused on that. So it's, it's really like, what is your mission and purpose as a family together with you and your spouse? Because if you don't have that, then everything else is just a chaos. Mm, it's, uh, it, it's very interesting. You know, as you're talking there, I'm thinking at the moment, I've, I've got no plan. And I'm sure probably people are, are they're walking, running, driving, whatever they're doing, why they're listening to this. And they're probably like, oh, I don't have that either. Where, where do you start? Like, how does, how do you have a conversation? Because I don't know if you just come straight in and if I walk in to see my wife after this and go, right, what's our purpose? She'll be like, she'll freak out. She'll like, what are you talking about? Like, is, is there a way to do this that may not scare somebody and make it sort of like a nice, because it's a pretty, uh, if someone hasn't thought about this, and to be honest, I haven't thought about exactly what you've been talking about. It could be really, really confronting. No, I, yeah, I agree. A lot of times people, who are religious, they get married and the religion kind of talks about some of the longer term stuff. So a lot of times you have some alignment there, but it's really looking at 
And this, these are not easy questions, right? I've, I've been in businesses and they're trying to put together their mission statements and their purpose. And you have like 10 really smart people and you have consultants and you have all this stuff. This process is not just a simplistic, like what type of, it's, it's really when we look at it individually, what type of life do we want? At the end of your life, what is it you want on your headstone or your gravestone or at your eulogy? What do you want your family to look like at that point when you're kind of at the end of it? Are you saying, do you want us to be a tight knit group that are, that are very supportive? Do we want to kind of try to build an empire, not an empire in the sense of like, we're trying to take over, but in a, a group of people who are very productive and supporting and contributing to society. So it's really like with you and your wife, well, why did you get married in the first place? You know, I mean, I'm not saying I was great when I was your age either. You know, I was like, uh, she's great. Uh, she looks attractive. <laughs> I was in the engineering program. She was in college. So we got married. But I've just realized a lot of the times for me, when a lot, we had these conflicts, I'd be like, what's the best for the family? Right. What are we trying to develop? Is it a tight knit group? Or do we want to be like, hey, I just want to work as much as possible. I want to become super wealthy, a millionaire billionaire and then i just want to travel the world okay that's fine i'm not saying there's again there's no right way but if you're you I mean you already have two young kids so it's like well if you wanted to just focus on money <laughs> you're doing something wrong right <laughs> so obviously there's some values you're putting in here and you're saying what is your contribution do you want to the world so that's where it's, it's it takes a little time and my, my wife and i i think it took us probably close to a month to kind of come through it and work through it but it's just like thinking to yourself we're all fighting this rat race sometimes it feels like every day day in day out more money but then i have to spend it but what makes it worth it like what at the end of all this what are you doing this for because at the end when you're like well now i have all this money well is that what you wanted or are you like but you know because there's a lot of people who again they could become doctors then they're like oh, i can make so much more money if i keep working and then they have lots of money and then they get a divorce and their children hate them because they never actually interacted with them. And you're like, well, that's, that's not what I want. So I think it's a little bit of clarity on what trade-offs you want and what does your wife want? What do you want? I mean, <laughs> this is the funny thing. If you look in the business world, when two businesses merge, they usually are like together, we're going to be better at accomplishing this bigger goal. But for some reason in families, we're like, I don't know. I don't know. We just got married. It was good. And that's what everyone does. So I think it can be a challenge, but it's very worth it. Oh, hundred percent. And I'm just sitting here and it really is. And I think one of the biggest things like you just mentioned there is, and I'm sure so many people can relate to this. I don't know about yourself, Aaron, but you know, we are so busy. There's so much going on. You've got four kids. You're doing all this. And I, I'm trying to work. I'm trying to be a good person. I really, I've tried to make a big effort just to be more present in whatever situation I'm in. And I, mm -hmm. I think that's in the day and age we're in, I think that is one of the hardest skills that people will struggle with. And, I, and I've struggled with as well with two young kids. Um, but that's at the end of the day, the gift to our kids or to anybody you're with is really your full attention. Yeah. Well, and, and there's, there's some interesting literature that I've seen. <laughs> My wife and I, <laughs> Have run, we run an Irish dance business. And so in the day she would watch the kids, then I would come home from work and then she would be teaching classes and I would spend time with the kids. And I just had fun with them, did my stuff. But it was interesting because there's a book called The Boy Crisis where it actually talks about the man's influence on his children. And it talks about how 
like I think it's 80 or 90% of rapes of women are coming from women who didn't grow up with men because these girls didn't know how to interact with men. They didn't, they don't know how they talk and communicate and, you know, those type of things. And they, then they said, it's, there was about 50 actually things that happened with those kids who didn't grow up with a father. And there's about 50 if they don't grow up with a mother. And then there's, but the biggest one to me was if a dad doesn't spend time with his kids, their IQ is about 15 points lower. And I don't know what you know about IQ, but that yeah. takes you from 100, which is pretty useful, down to 85, which is very unuseful in society. Like they just don't have the skills. So I think for me personally, when I was your age, I didn't understand the value of a dad on the children. I understood, hey, I need to protect and provide for them, but I didn't understand how I was there and needed to be the challenger and help them grow, mm. right? And so that's the stuff where I think for us as men, there's a present stuff. But I think for me, I was like, I don't even understand my purpose. I'm babysitting kids instead of going, no, no, I'm teaching my children how to interact and how to learn and how to grow. Does that make sense? Really does. And exactly what you're talking about there, I think is probably hands down the most important thing in any relationship is communicating. Do you know what I mean? Being empathetic. So you're not judging and that you're understanding your partner, even when you don't agree, but then being able to articulate and communicate it in a right way so it doesn't cause a fight. And essentially what you're saying is what you're teaching your kids was exactly those skills. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's the thing is there's a place where I talk about this in the book. There's kind of this role of a challenger and this role of a nurturer. And usually the dad is the challenger <laughs> just because we like to play with it. And it was funny in this, this book, The Boy Crisis, because it was saying, well, you know, when men sing nursery rhymes, they often use the wrong words. You know, they'll often <laughs> twist words around. And I'm like, yep, I do that. And my wife always sings it perfectly. Right. And so the kids, it's like teaching the kids when they're with their dad, like, I got to pay attention. He's going to throw some twist in here. And so it's really pushing them mentally. And then you're like, so it's if the women, I think women have both mostly been assumed to be the nurturers. And it's right, but then there's the side of you need the challenger and you need both of these for the children and you need to, as a challenger, appreciate the wife's role in nurturing and protecting the kids from harm. Like, you know, most of the time when your kids get hurt, it's like, why did you do that? And you're like, well, we were playing a game and they fell down. That's just how it is. And then they can get hurt and then the kids, they get nurtured and then they'll run back and play with that again. So there's often this thing of they want to be nurtured, they want to be challenged. And if you both as a spouse, you know, as a husband and wife appreciate those different roles, then for women, they're often like, oh, that they need dad time, right? They need to have time. And as a dad, then I can be like, I understand the purpose of this and I can fully engage and be present versus I have all this other stuff to do. I need to go pay the bills. I need to go do this or play games. I'm like, no, no, I understand that I'm really building my kids and this is essential for them because there's mm -hmm. been some hard times for me where... I, I kind of was focused on these other roles. And then when I made mistakes, I was like, oh, my family is, would be better off without me. And I was like, and how wrong was I? Because I was just focused on just the financial side, really, not this building of the children and their development. And I think what you're saying, I look back at relationships and things in the past. And a lot of time when you do have big issues, it is to do around financial like and it's all well and good to say if things are going well if you don't have those issues but when you're you know week to week or you're really struggling and things like that you can have all these other skill sets but it's pretty hard to you know to block that out and like what you were just saying there that you're trying to do everything right but that's that's at the forefront of your mind Aaron. it's so hard 
to navigate through that and be the best you can in every other area of your life. Yeah. Well, and that's where I, I actually noticed I had these, these three, I call them the, the three hells of my experience. The first one, when I, when we, when we moved into this house, the house, we have a studio behind it where my wife teaches dance. Well, the problem is I graduated with my MBA. And then instead of getting a job, I could have gone into Portland to, to Intel. I was like, I'm going to go here. Well, all of a sudden I didn't have a job. I had two kids, a pregnant wife and a mortgage all of a sudden. So then I was like, had all this financial stress on me. And so then I wasn't as present as I could have been. I mean, I was doing all the stuff that I needed to, but there was just this stress on me. Well, coming out of that, my wife and I were working through that. There were close people to me who were like, told my wife that they should, that she should divorce me. Right. It was a, it was wow. a rough time. Yeah. But bet. when we got through that, then I was able to more be more present but it was also my wife's support through that like you will get this we got it you know we chose this path even though it's hard to do the entrepreneurial thing and build the business we had that and then later I did a financial thing and I kept noticing I kept I wasn't present during those times which actually hurt the family and it's I don't know what to do because that's really where I feel like my core role is to protect and provide for my family and so when that's in jeopardy through this money stuff you're saying it can be rough but I, it was interesting in retrospect, because I look at it and I'm like, I actually didn't need financial support. The biggest thing I was missing was actually emotional support slash mental, like with other people. How many other men did I know that didn't have jobs? None. Right. Yeah. And so talking with them and they'd be like, Hey, I don't know how to talk to you. I don't know how to engage with you. So it was much more the emotional and mental stress even because I look back and I'm like, well, we somehow skated by financially with just enough. We made it work. But I was my feeling and my sense of uh, failure that was causing the big issues. And I think a lot of people probably able to relate to that over the last couple of years of COVID. Do you know what I mean? Where, um, like, with everything aside, it was out of everyone's control. Like all these things that people, you know, having these issues with were things that they couldn't actually control themselves. And I think that's one of the biggest things. But like you've just mentioned, you know, having support networks and people you can go to, like we all have mentors in careers and different things like this. It's so important to have those people as well that you can, you know, have a hard conversation with or, or be extremely vulnerable and not be judged because that's, and sometimes just being able to be listened to and heard um, outside the walls of your family is so powerful. So, Aaron, let's talk about the book, The Family Flywheel. Now, explain it. Talk to us. What is it? We want more. So the, the family flywheel, the reason, if you're familiar with the book, Good to Great, it talks about the flywheel. A flywheel is something that gains momentum, and then it gets harder and harder to stop, and it holds a lot of energy. So if you look at big companies, like Google, at one point, it was very small, was worth like a million dollars. Now it's worth $1.5 trillion. But it started very small, and then they hired people, and then they they, they got some more product then they made more money, then they'd hire more people. This is that flywheel effect getting bigger and bigger, right? And then over time, you know, you look at Google now and you're like, well, what would it take for it to go out of business? Well, you have like hundreds of thousands of employees. You have all this money. It would take a lot of time to actually have it go out of business, right? And that's where I see with this, the family flywheel, if you have good strategy, structure, and culture, then it's very hard for your family to actually have negative uh, results because you have those good processes in place. And that's where if you look at, you know, financial resources, and you, if you know the concept of compounding interest, right, you invest your money, and then you 
it makes money and then you invest more. That's the flywheel. It's compounding. And it's the same with your social resources. If you invest in good uh, relationships with your, like you say, with your mates, then you're going to have this, they're going to introduce you to more people. And then you're going to introduce them to people. And you're going to have this flywheel of people who are there to support you. And then you also have this human resources. The more you learn, the more you like learning, the more exercise. So this is really the concept of the flywheel that I want people to understand. It's like compounding interest, but not just in money. It's in your social relationships. It's in your human resources. And how do you do that? Because if families do that, they will be wealthier, which is, and not just wealthy, like I have a lot of money. They'll also have great relationships that can help them in times. And they'll also have good skills and good health. And so you look across it, it's like, you can't, if you only focus on financial, and I, I can 100% say I'm guilty of this too, then you don't realize that you have these other resources that could be used. And part of why I think I wrote it was two out of the last three jobs that I've got, and some of them have paid off very well to the point that I don't have to work anymore. They came from my social connections, right? It wasn't me going on to LinkedIn or going and applying for jobs randomly. It was me going through and building relationships. And one was, I think it was 17 years. We were good friends. And then the business happened to be at the right time. And that's a little bit about where people move. Then they're destroying all those social connections, right? I mean, I, I'm sure you talked about how you've had some of your mates move away. And you're like, I still love the guy, but I just can't talk to him as much. And I can't interact with them. We can't play the sports or we can't do those things we used to do. So it hurts that social connections. So that's really where I think we need to expand the view, not just our money, but human and social connections, as well as trying to make sure we have a good business model. And so I was really like, here's all the levers that you can pull in your own families. And I'm pretty explicit on all of the different ways you can use those in the book. And I try to give you other ways, you know, ways to invest for science, social connections, ways to invest for human connections, ways to invest for financial and especially when you have kids, how can I invest for a better relationship with my kids and invest in more money? Like yeah. what activity can give me both of those? So that's where I wanted to help out. I, I just feel like I'm at the, kind of the, towards the end of my child journey, you know, with my kids. And so I'm like, hey, there's people like you who are at the start. I'd love to help you so that you can have a better experience than I had and hopefully <laughs> wealthier too. Well, and I think I love exactly what you've just mentioned, Aaron, about so many people you know, align success to, you know, that dollar figure in the bank or the assets they own. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you own. It's who you get to share it with. And I, I love that so much that it doesn't matter if that's your partner, your spouse, your kids, your friends, your family, anybody, you're only as rich as the people in your life. Um, and it's so important that you invest time in them. It's not a one-way street. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, the more you do that and you don't do it for, financial gain but it ends up working all areas of your life become better because of that isn't it and is that something that you've noticed over when you've mentioned about obviously you know career-wise being quite successful in that aspect but i'm sure just every area of your life the more you invest in those people the happier and better off it is yeah that's that's kind of there's an interesting story that i talk about with bill gates right the founder of microsoft where you look at his his mom was a school teacher and his dad was a lawyer well, his mom had the three children and then stopped working. And then once the kids got older, she started to serve in the community, which is a great way to build social connections, right? Social resources. Well, so she served on the board of the University of Washington. She also served on the board of United Way. Well, she happened to be 
connected to the CEO of IBM through her work at United Way. Bill Gates ended up connecting with IBM, which was, that was his first big company with Microsoft. So that one relationship that his mom invested in could have been worth $150 billion for him, for the family. But if she had been so focused on the financial resources, okay, my kids are old, now I'm going to go back to work. The family would have arguably would have been significantly less wealthy, both in terms of the relationships and in terms of the money. So yeah, I agree with what you're saying. This isn't, if you focus just on financial, you'll find that you'll actually end up poor holistically. But if you focused holistically, you'll end up being wealthier in all areas. Oh, that's like mic drop sort of moment there. I, I love that. That just made, that gave me goosebumps because that is, I, I truly believe in that. That is, it is so true. Um, what did you learn about yourself from writing the book, Aaron? What was like, cause I've written a book too, and I must admit, I didn't enjoy the process. I found it very stressful and I'm glad it's done now. I don't think I'll be rushing to do it again. What, what did you learn about yourself as an individual, as a human being from writing the family flywheel? Well, the, the the cool thing I learned was, I think because of the way my wife and had been doing, my wife and I had worked, even the model showed I needed to invest more in social resources, right? So there was some of the learnings and that's where I was like, even for me, oh, okay, there's some learnings here. But then for myself, A, it's a rough process. To your point, you, you always want to make it perfect. And so you're like, oh, I could edit. And I edit, I think I edited it three or four times. But I've also, but I've realized it's not that there's a perfection you need to get to good enough, but then it's really help. Are the ideas out there, and I'm ready to move to that phase. And they you do this in business as well. Like, okay, if you wait till your software is perfect, you're gonna go out of business because it never will be. So you always want to go like it's good enough. Now it's time to move on and kind of iterate on those ideas. So that was really the big thing. And yeah, I would say that's the biggest learning for me was just. You, at some point you have to just, <laughs> yep, it's good enough. Otherwise you'll just drive yourself nuts. Even as it is now, I'm like, oh, I could add this. I could simplify it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And I'm just like, but it doesn't matter until you actually can do the the marketing and the other pieces of it to get it out there. Well, I think if you're too busy on trying to make something perfect, you actually never get anything done because there's no such thing and you're not going to know. And that can relate, that lesson you've learned there can relate to anybody in every area of their life. As people are listening, it doesn't matter what part of your life you're in. I bet they've got something, Aaron, that they want to do, but they're too scared. They're too scared about making it right, making it the best they can. Like the only way you know is by doing it. And that's essentially what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I think it's, we've, at least in the United States, I'm not sure about where you're at. In Australia, it's more like we've kind of been conditioned by school. Like you want to ace the test. You want to not get things wrong. Life's not like that. You kind of learn as you go. It's like progressively taking a test. And then in retrospect, I'm like, oh, I could totally pass that test now as a, you know, you mentioned as I brought home my first child, I was like, holy cow, what do I do with this baby? I have no, where's the rule book? You know what I mean? And now I'm like, oh, kids are so easy. I love them. I can, you know, manage them, feed them, take care of them. But I wish I would have had some of those pieces. So that's where it's like, how do you create this rule book? And then as, as you go about rearing your children, I don't know how you are, but once your kids get a little older, you're like, how do I incent them to read books and have good ideas and not waste their time and do their jobs? So it's all those type of things that I think we kind of struggle with as parents. And that's kind of what I'm hoping with the book, as well as with some of the other stuff that I want to work on, how do I help parents kind of 
iterate from what we have already learned rather than keep starting back from zero. Mm, so true. So true. And like in all areas of our life, we, we pass that knowledge down. Um, I think, uh, and you'd probably, I look at my parents and the way we parent now, like life has evolved and changed so much. You've just got to think about it like technology. You spoke about Google. There wasn't, there wasn't Netflix or the internet. There wasn't any of these things that were going on and, and so much is changing. Um, but that's why it's so important to pass this sort of knowledge on. So Aaron, for listeners out there, where can we go and get the family flywheel or just reach out to get a little bit more from you? Yeah. So on Amazon, that's where it, it, the book's at. I think it's on a different, a lot of different audible and audiobook places as well. Um, I have a, a website called thefamilyflywheel.com and you can go there. There's some book resources. You can go down there and just download the, um, I have some forms to try to help you build out and some slides that go along with them to help you answer questions about what is your strategy. It's kind of the stuff you were talking about. Work through all of your business model, work through all your resources, and also work with your, if you do it with your spouse, have them do it, then you do it, and then compare notes because if you're like, well, we're not aligned or we have some issues, that's very helpful. So yeah, the family flywheel, then you can find me on uh, Facebook at Aaron K. Shelley and then LinkedIn on Aaron K., at Aaron K. Shelley as well. Perfect. Well, I have links in the show notes, episode number 289. You can go and reach out and get those. Last question. Uh, you are saying when you bought your first child home, uh, there was no manual, nothing. If you could, you know, go back now and look over it and give your younger self a new dad bringing your first child home, one bit of advice from everything you've learned, what would that be? Uh, it would probably be enjoy it while it lasts. My kids are so old and it's like, if you miss those period, that period of time when they're young, you can't ever get it back. There's, you can always get more money, but you cannot get more time with those children at that ages. And you can't go back. I've seen so many parents who have, their kids have now gotten older and they have issues because they didn't spend and invest in their children. So that's where I would say, enjoy it and invest in it. Especially as a father, there's big returns that you get in terms of your own personal fulfillment, as well as watching your kids just succeed in life. Oh, well, Aaron, I think that's uh, that last little bit. There's something I really enjoy because I, that's one thing I am trying to do. And sometimes you feel a bit guilty. I should be working more, but at the end of the day, why have a family if you're not going to be there? So, I do this podcast for a little bit of like selfishness sometimes. And that was the one thing I need to hear. So Aaron, thank you so much uh, for being on the show, for sharing your knowledge and uh, yeah, sharing your stories with everybody, mate. It's been, uh, it's been a blast. Yep. I agree, Dale. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for the time. Uh -huh.